Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be bald and bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. Everybody, oh my goodness, what is happening? This is surreal. Okay, so first thing, a couple of you have asked if I could do an episode about coronavirus as it pertains to our reproductive choices right now. Well, this episode has very little to do with coronavirus, and I think moving forward, most of my episodes are not going to focus too much on that so that we can all have a little bit of a respite from all of the worry and the fear that's constantly bombarding us. But I think it's very important to address this specific topic as many of us are trying to make important baby-making decisions. So following this episode, I will be posting a bonus episode where I interview four or five different reproductive endocrinologists, including Dr. Chung and Dr. Kalen about how their clinics are responding and what what they're advising and the choices that their patients are making as well as any advice that they have for women who are in their first trimesters. You can look for that episode either later today, Tuesday night, or Wednesday morning and hopefully we'll have some clarity around the subject. Okay, so now Patreon, new Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much, Emily B, Bianca H, and Jane Z. If you want to be a patron, it's so easy. Just go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast and subscribe for $2 or more, and you'll have access to videos, secret audio, my internal monologues, uh, real-time updates, and now... I have a special perk. That's right, folks. If we get up to $850 per month and we stay at $850 per month, once every two weeks, I will put out a special mini episode starring my mother. In that mini episode, she will answer Patreon subscriber questions about anything. You want relationship advice, career advice, parenting advice, gardening advice, cooking advice, arthritis advice, want her to read you a chapter from her book? You got it. Want her to read to you from a children's book? Sure, why not? I mean, I haven't asked her to do this yet, but trust me, she's going to want to do it. We need to put this woman to work, people, okay? But here's the thing. We've also got to pay her. And then I'm going to force her to give all of that money to me. So if you want to put my mom to work, subscribe to the Patreon at the $5 level or more and submit your questions and she will answer them bi-monthly. That means twice a month, right? If not, I'm sorry. And if you don't want to join the Patreon, but you still want to support the podcast, don't worry. You can always Venmo me at molly-hockey. But don't forget, you won't get those perks. Although you might feel pretty perky in your heart. Okay, I have more perks and incentives that I want to talk about, but I'm going to save them for another week because this week is just, it's overwhelming. It's a wild week. So I'm going to leave it at that. But now, I have news. I'm officially a fertility consultant. 
I mean, I'm not certified. Not that there is a certification. I mean, there might be. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've never looked into it because, you know, I'm not certified. So why would I? But I did do my first fertility consultation with a lovely, lovely lady over in Manchester, England over Skype. And it was great. It was so gratifying for me. And I am so moved that she trusted me and I gotta say, she liked it too. Afterwards, she texted me. She said, just wanted to say thank you for listening and the empathy as that's exactly what I needed. I feel so much lighter and brighter. I really appreciate it. You are a really good listener as well as talker. And then she made another appointment and I cannot wait to talk to her again. And I also want to talk to you if you need an ear. I really am a good listener and I would love to be here for you like you've been there for me in the past. Especially during this crazy time of social distancing and uncertainty. I'm sure you're feeling anxious and isolated and I think it's a good time for you to talk to somebody if you aren't already. So if you're interested, email me at spermcast at gmail.com and I will send you my rates. Just put in the subject line session so it doesn't get buried or you can DM me on Instagram at spermcast. Now on to some updates about my vag. Hi. Hi. I have good news. Yes, tell me the number is like nothing. It's low. It's a lot lower. 58. Oh, that's Perfect. That's, that's good. That's good. Oh, oh, sweetie, I'm so happy. Oh, it's such good news. Oh, honey, that's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. I got to go back next Wednesday for another blood okay. test. <laughs> okay. That's okay. I only talked to the nurse, but I said, is there any chance that I it could still go back up? And she said, well, it's not likely, but anything's possible. I also told her my period is, my bleeding is done. And I said, when can I expect a period? So she said, it, I won't get a period until all the HCG is out of my body. Right, right, right. Um, that makes sense. I mean, does it? I have no idea. <laughs> Me neither. I just... It sounded like it should make sense. Yeah. 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 Oh, honey, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's good news. Great news. Okay, cool. But my beta test is supposed to be on Wednesday, and I'm self-isolating, so I'm not going to be going to that, unless Dr. Chung says I have to, but I don't think she will. Also, the bleeding did go away, but now my period is back with a vengeance, baby. What does this mean? Well, if there wasn't a virus out there, I'd be prepping for a transfer right now. I'd be taking estrogen, I would have done a scan today, and I would do a transfer in about three weeks. But I'm not making any more moves until we know more about the virus. And for more on that, you should tune into the next episode, the bonus episode that I'm going to put out this evening or tomorrow morning. Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay, now it's time for an interview. An interview with a cool chick from Washington. And I hope you know that I'm coming up with this song right on the spot. And that's why it sounds like this. It sounds so really bad. Her name's Lauren Zutenhorst. She flew all the way down here from Washington just to talk to me. I know what you're thinking. Washington is, you know, an epicenter for you know what. But this was a little over a week ago, and I did make sure to not touch anything that she touched. Okay, I did hug her. <laughs> Shit. I hugged her when she came to the door. Look, I'm in isolation, okay? I'm not. Lauren, I don't think you're diseased, all right? 
Everybody calm down. Let's just listen to this interview. Lauren's great. Here we go. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Molly. I've got Lauren here all the way from, what's the town? Ellensburg, Washington. Ellensburg, Washington, about an hour away from Seattle. Yeah, hour, hour and a half-ish. You don't have coronavirus. I don't. That's no, good. no. And traveling here was super easy because oh, yeah. of coronavirus. How many actually. people were on your plane? Ten people were on my flight. <laughs> yeah, the airport was empty and amazing. super clean. Mm. And nobody was on my flight, so it was actually really pleasant. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you're a listener. And I got I'm an email listener. from you from a long time ago. Yeah, like November-ish. What did you say in your email? So you I remember? sent you an email at, actually because my fertility doctor oh, told right. me about you. I remember. Yes, and you know my fertility doctor. She's amazing. I love her. You love her, I think. I do. Yeah. I do. I, I talked to her. I mean, we started talking when she was still doing her residency, I yeah. think. Or her fellowship. Her yeah. fellowship. Yeah, so she told me about you at my like second first or second visit with her and was like, you have to listen to this podcast. I think you'd really love it um, because I was trying to become a single mother by choice. And so she was at like, 29. 28 at the time. Wow. Yeah. And so I sent you an email after I started listening to the podcast. By the way, I just have to tell you that I like binged the <laughs> podcast. I'm not a podcast listener normally. <laughs> like I don't listen to podcasts. I'm too high strung and busy and I'm always running around doing something. So I just don't really listen to podcasts. And I listened to, I think I listened to all the seasons. I got caught up in like three weeks. Wow. Yeah, so wow. I like binged it, and then there were so many things that kept on coming up that I was that were just so relatable oh, that I was right, like, right. I have to reach out to her yes. and tell her about this. Yeah, um, the first one was that we had we chose the same sperm bank, which right. I live in Washington, and so I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so that part was crazy to me, and then, and then then from there, and I was actually just in a really tough time when I I was having a tough time when I sent you an email oh. um, to connect, and okay. I guess we can get into why that yeah <laughs> to why that was. So I decided about a year and a half ago, yeah. um, I had an appointment with my OBGYN and we just were talking about, you know, future fertility and what my plans were and all of that kind of stuff. And I just kind of, I, I, I've always known that I wanted to have kids, um, to be a mother. And mm -hmm. so I just didn't really think about when that was. I have a super busy job. I work all the time. I travel a lot and my job is really high stress. And I was just like, so because of that, I haven't really dated much. I also live in a really small college town, so it's hard mm. to date when you work for the university in a college town. What college is it? Um, Central Washington University. So Can you all tell my me friends what your job is. I think it might be I think I might like it. Yeah. So <laughs> I <laughs> I think from from Instagram. Yeah. You seem like you do a good job. Oh, thank at you. Whatever your job is. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. So. I'm the director for executive events and protocol um, for Central Washington University. So I'm, I plan, I work between the president and the provost, um, and I plan all of the high, high profile, high level events like commencement and Jeez. board of trustees stuff. And I uh, run the president's home. Jeez. And do a lot of, a lot of things. I wear a lot of hats. Did you just do something about the environment? In yeah. So, um, Sustainability is one of the big university pushes for the year. Um, uh -huh. I mean, it always is, but we're really pushing it this year. Yeah. And because I plan an event that's so huge, I have a big touch in, you know, I, I basically can make a big change in the sustainability effort on behalf of the university. Great. Um, and so I decided to cut all of the water bottles. So we, yes. yeah, so we use single use plastic water bottles. There was, you know, it's tough. We're still trying to figure out how to yeah. get water, you know, appropriately to 20,000 people without doing the water bottles. But we used to yeah. give water bottles out to the students and we've cut the ceremony down so much. Um, it's so much shorter that we don't really need to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
We did away with that. Yeah, it's like six or seven thousand water bottles um, that we're not going to be purchasing this year. So that was really big. That's huge. You can actually make a difference. Like, hopefully, yeah, that was was the plan. I know. It's just it's so great to be able to make a difference on a larger scale like that. Yeah, we also did away with we went completely digital this year. So we're not mailing things um, out to the students and the parents. So I think we estimated it was about 15,000 mailings that we're not sending. Um, So that was a lot of paper. Um, And then we do have to print some um, stuff, obviously, like we put letters in the diploma covers and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were able to find like this really cool biodegradable sugarcane waste paper to print that on. So we've taken some really big steps uh, just in one year. So that was really fun. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. So I finally was like, you know what? I own a home. I'm stable. I have a good career. Like, why, why am I not just doing this on my own? Like, I think that's what I want. And so I like, I mold that over for a while. And then when I decided that was really what I wanted to do, my first step was just like, I need to get information. Like, I know nothing about how to choose a sperm bank, how to choose a sperm donor, how to be inseminated. I'm like, do I just like bring it to my doctor? And right. they, like, I, I knew nothing about that. Yeah. And I had this like elusive idea, I guess, of what a fertility specialist was. But at the time I was like, I don't need that. Right. So why would I go? That's not my first step. So my first step, <laughs> the beginning of my journey was comical and not really a good I think I way. do remember this story. Because I live in a really small town. Um, it's really interesting, the dynamic of where I live, because the town itself is like a farm town, super small, really conservative. And then you have the university, which is really large, which makes up like half or more of the population are the students. And it's extremely liberal. So that like contrast is pretty funny sometimes. Yeah. And so there isn't a lot of healthcare um, in Ellensburg. We have one like community hospital, which I think most of what they do is like pump stomachs on Friday night and deliver babies. Like they're just, they're not specialized in much. Wow. And there aren't any specialty like doctor's offices in the, in the town. And so my OBGYN is actually like an hour away from where I live. Oh my gosh. Um, And she's awesome. I really like her, but I had, I was like, you know what? I just want to get some information. So I made an appointment with her and it was like six months down the road. So I was like, well, I can't, I'd like to start somewhere else. So I just went to a general practitioner in town and told them, I just want information. Like, I want to know how I would go about doing this. Yeah. And oh my gosh, they thought, they thought I was so crazy yes. because it was like a religious yeah, like doctor's office. Yeah, it was really strange. And so they were like, we know who you need to talk to. Like there is a, and they quoted fertility specialist, mm-hmm. OBGYN here in town. And I was like, great. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that person. I didn't do any of my own research beforehand, which is part of the problem, part of the reason why this happened. Uh And so they were like, you just need to go talk to him. It'll be great. You'll get the information you need. I'm like, cool. So I was super excited about it. So I go into this doctor who I'm not going to (laughs) name, doctor's (laughs) office. You know, I go into the room. I'm fully closed because I'm not planning to be examined. I just want information. How How do I choose a sperm bank? All of this stuff. The doctor comes in in scrubs and cowboy boots Uh eating a sandwich. Oh my god. Like into the exam room and oh. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be fun for me, I think." <laughs> he doesn't introduce himself. Uh-huh. Doesn't ask me my name. Literally sits down like opposite me in the corner of the room and was like, "You know, the medical literature really strongly emphasizes that children need a mother and a father." Wow. And I was like, completely taken aback cuz here I am like thinking that he's going to give me all this great info about what I should do next. Yeah. And I just, I think I was so dumbfounded. I just kind of like sat there and like looked at him weird. And then he launches off into this like long 
religious speech to me. I don't think I said one word the whole time I was in there. He says to me at the very end, you know, some people are just better off um, being ants. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I literally just got up and walked out. I didn't say anything. I just got up in the exam room and left. Like, it was the worst experience. And I was fuming. I left and I was so mad. I was so hot. And it turns out I talked to a bunch of other people about this doctor after this. And it's it's not the first time that he has been rude and inappropriate with patients. And then he had the audacity to call me Uh like a few days later and was like, because even though I wasn't becoming a patient of his, I had to fill out like a new patient form when I was in there. He calls me and he's like, so I just had a chance to review your new patient information. I'm like, you didn't look at my chart before you met with me? Uh, and if, it, if I had known that it was him who was calling, I would not have answered the phone. Yeah. But I did. And he was like, so I think that based on your history, um, we should, we should uh, place an IUD. Oh, God. And I was like, first of all, you're not my doctor. And secondly, I'm working toward trying to get pregnant. So I'm not going to have an IUD put in. Thank you. And I just hung up. Uh, shortly after that, he closed his practice. So I, I wonder I wonder why. Um, so that was my first experience with fertility anything. That sucks. I know. And so I was like really discouraged at first. Just like, mm-hmm. I don't is this? I don't know how to do this. Is this the right route? And then luckily, I shortly after that, I did get in with my OBGYN, who is mm-hmm. amazing. And it does not work in the town that I live in. Mm-hmm. They're um, an hour away. Yep. They're mm-hmm. an hour away. And so she was awesome. And she actually gave me like really good information about who to go to, which is how I got to the fertility clinic that I'm at now. What is that fertility clinic? Um, Pacific Northwest Fertility. Got it. And they're, I, I they're amazing. That. I don't know if it's not allowed or anything. Yeah, like I that. don't know either. <laughs> it's fine. I don't know what, I'm, what we can talk about. about them. I don't know. <laughs> the Fertility Center. Yeah, they're awesome. They're really awesome. And then they also helped me get connected with Seattle Sperm Bank. Um, Got it. So that was good. And my doctor was like, you can totally do this. Like, don't listen to anything that he said to you. Like, you're going to be great. Mm-hmm. And like, we did all the like preliminary exams and things like that just to be like are you in a good place to start doing this and I asked her like do I need to go to a fertility center to like start trying or can I just do it myself like right and she was like I have no reservation about you doing it yourself but I after if you try once and it doesn't work like I want you to not waste your money and I want you to go to a fertility clinic Mm -hmm. and I was like okay so I actually ended up trying twice Mm -hmm. on my own which was a really funny fun process and the funny thing about all of this is that I was just like really sure like, I didn't hesitate, right. like, any step of the way. Like, as soon as we had decided, like, this is what's happening, I'm going to start trying to get pregnant. Like, we were off and running, and I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. And so a group of my friends and I, and the other thing that was tough later on down the road is that I don't have, none of my best friends live nearby, which is tough. Right. Um, and so I also didn't tell very many people that I was doing this, yeah. like, very, very few, um, just a handful of people that I was going to try. And so I sent out like my login to the sperm bank to all of my to like three of my closest friends. Yeah. And so we were like choosing, you know. Now are they are are they married with kids or anything um, like that? Two of them are married with kids, and one is not. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about what makes you want to start doing this at your age. I don't know. I honestly feel <laughs> well. It might be that two of your best friends are married with kids. Yeah, no? I don't know. And my best best friend is in a relationship, but doesn't have kids and isn't married. Mm. And I've never felt like pressured to get married or have kids or any of that. Like, I don't mm. know that I want to be married. Mm. I don't, I'm not a big relationship person. And I think mm. it's probably because I'm just a workaholic and I travel a lot, but mm. I, 
I don't know. I really don't know what the big push was. It just felt right. Like the timing just felt right. Amazing. Yeah. And so we kind of got together and we had this little party, which was super fun. Um, It last summer and like laid out on my back patio and like listened to interviews of Mm -hmm. our like top like donors. (laughs) Yeah. And we got really drunk and we had like, (laughs) we made this. Oh my gosh, I should have brought pictures for you. Who were your top donors? Oh my gosh, I should have brought the list. We made this like ridiculous. Because I know all the ones at Seattle. Yeah, we made this like ridiculous <laughs> chart. Mm-hmm. Like I brought home like one of those giant paper easel things. Mm-hmm. We like hung it on the side. We're like using glitter glue. I don't know where we got <laughs> glitter glue. I'll find it and send you a picture yeah, of it. Yeah. Of our like top donors. But yeah, we made uh, like cornhole <laughs> boards and my friend drew like put paper over the top of them and drew like uteruses uh-huh. <laughs> so that the hole was like a center yes. of a uterus. And then I sewed sperm onto the bean bag <laughs> to like use. And so we did that. And then I had like sperm confetti everywhere. Uh-huh. We had jello shots in like the like syringe, uh-huh. syringe jello shots. <laughs> I mean, just like all these ridiculous things. We made cookies out of like, I got a sperm cookie cutter. That's great. Yeah, it was awesome. So we had a great time and like we were unanimous and like decided on a donor like that part was really easy i don't know why that was easy was that at seattle or somewhere yeah, else okay. it was at seattle yeah and we have more to talk about about that mm-hmm. so initially i'll just i'll just tell you all now so i chose a donor and then when it wasn't working out i chose another donor and at the time i was listening to the podcast <laughs> and when i chose my next donor was right when molly was choosing her donor <laughs> and she described him and i was like oh my god <laughs> and so we chose the same donor which is just crazy because there are so so many there are so many but yeah yeah, so we chose and i was sure and like we were like all right we're off and running let's do this and so we planned the insemination i had friends come in from out of town we're just gonna do it at home i went and picked up the sperm like so you pick up the tank yeah you pick up the crowd and you had you had ici vials yes and you just thaw them yeah you just thaw them in um warm water uh, for like Five or ten minutes, I can't remember. We read the instructions probably 20 times right, before right, right. we actually yeah. did it. It was comical. Like, the whole process was really funny. And again, I had no hesitations. Like, I had my friends come in from out of town. It was so fun. They stayed. We stayed the weekend. We, like, went hiking. We did all this stuff. Yeah. And then it got time. Of course, everybody's drinking. I'm like, I feel like you have to be drunk to conceive at this point. <laughs> That's how most people yeah. do it. <laughs> um, and so the switch in everybody when we were like, okay, I think it's time. Like, we should do it. And everybody just got, like, really... <laughs> <laughs> and everybody i have a photo i think i sent it to you of my oh, three best friends wearing gloves like latex gloves like just because because yet yeah, obviously it takes eight hands to do this <laughs> and one person was would thought and they're like i want to do i want to do it for a little bit and like switch and another person would hold it like it was very involved and then i laid on my kitchen floor oh my god did your girls do this for you i did it but they helped oh my god so my three best friends were like sat in like bar stool chairs like around me i was like i was like i felt like i was being like blessed or something yeah so i did it like i inseminated myself and just laid there and the three of them you know just like i laid there for half an hour and we just like talked with me laying on the floor and them standing and sitting around me they also were all like videotaping and taking photographs of this process so they could ruin my life if they wanted to (laughs) Um, and so it unfortunately didn't work, you know, the first time. And I was fine. I was like, you know, and it was okay. just one vial. We did one. I did one vial. The and first you time. were measuring. Well, you and were I was taking so your... sure. Like, I have to just say before 
we've all been lied to basically is what I want to <laughs> yeah. start off by yeah. saying like especially I can't speak for anyone else's generation but for my generation like we came from the generation that like in middle school they were like if you have sex you yeah. will get pregnant we don't care if you're on birth control and you're using a condom together you're going to get pregnant if you have yeah. sex yeah like everybody was just terrified of pregnancy until now like really well, I, I think that is every generation yeah. except probably more extreme for other ones because they didn't have birth control and, right and right so yeah. i was just under the impression i was like i'm so fertile you guys like i am healthy yeah. uh, this is gonna be i've been tracking my ovulation like this is just gonna be so easy oh good yeah, yeah. i i was convinced too yeah so convinced that it was gonna happen on the, so convinced that it was gonna happen on the first try that i ordered one vial of sperm and the lady was like do you want to order more and i was like nope not gonna need them yeah i'm not gonna need that <laughs> you know like i didn't order any more because i'm like one time one and done it's gonna work <laughs> and so then it didn't you know yeah. and it, it i was like we must have done it wrong we were messing around you know all this stuff and so i was like we'll try again one, one more month and yeah. i know my doctor told me to go to a fertility center sorry if you're listening um <laughs> after one try but i was like we'll do one more i, I, mean, try I one wouldn't more tell you to go to a fertility after place she just after wanted one. it to work and be like the most cost effective as possible. Mm-hmm. So she's like, just do it from the start. And then you don't have to waste money trying mm-hmm. and not being successful, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, we'll try one more time. So the second time was really different. So I ordered two vials because I'll like, I was like, I'll do two days back to back because then, yeah. you know, increase the chances. Yeah. And this time I didn't have all of my friends in from out of town. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had my one friend who lives in town. I have one good friend who lives in town. Mm-hmm. And it was also super funny. So mm-hmm. I did one by myself. Like I did one day by myself. And then the next um, the next day I went over to her house and she's got two little kids um, and they were in bed. And her husband was out of town. And so she was like, you're going to have to come over and do it here. Like I can't come <laughs> over. I was like, yeah. all right. So I like bring the credit. <laughs> over oh to her God. house her kids are in bed we like go into her house and she has like she was super cute she has like everything all set up like paper towels laid out she's got like a sheet down on her bed i'm like oh we're doing this in your and your husband's bed okay <laughs> so we laughed a lot and that was like really fun so we did the second time over at her house and then we like, laid in bed and watched Brene brown on <laughs> netflix for like an <laughs> That's hour fun. i know yeah and so then it didn't work after the second time either Damn. so at that point and, and i was, that was like two vials yeah yeah two vials the second time and so i was like you know i know i'm timing it right like i know that the chances aren't anywhere near 100 percent. i think they're like 20 percent or less so i was like i think it's just time just to get advice so that was when i decided to go to the fertility clinic just to talk to somebody yeah like what what should we do so i decided to go to a fertility center yeah. and that was like the best it was the best decision I've ever made. Yeah. It really was. And I had I didn't know what to expect. Like, you know, normally you got a new patient visit, like come in, they're like, get on the table, take your clothes off. Doctor will be in in a few minutes, and then it's an hour that you sit there and wait for them to come in. And this was nothing like that. Yeah. And so I knew nothing about my doctor, who we both love. Um <laughs> and she was new and I loved that. Like I was like all about that. I thought yeah. that was so cool. I feel like you guys would be like good friends okay i'm so glad that you said that because i really want to be her friend <laughs> uh, she's probably gonna listen i hope so <laughs> i don't know the rules i want to be best friends with my doctor yeah she's not she... interested <laughs> i don't know she's, she's probably very busy i don't know my doctor's your doctor's either. very busy too she's very busy they've got to keep their boundaries up. i i think so i was like i don't know what the rules are about us like hanging out socially but i just want you to know even if this doesn't work out i feel like we we could still work out even yeah, if this yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. work Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Out. Yeah. So, anyways, I met um, her. I don't know if we should name her. She she knows who she is. So, anyways, well, I go so to this nice fertility center. Yeah. yeah, she was great. She was so awesome. And like, I just feel like I knew something was gonna go wrong because my first experience was like so great. Like, I just loved it. Like, I went in, had this appointment. She was amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I I mean, everything was so prompt. Like, I didn't wait. Like, I walked in. She came right in. We had this great conversation about my history and all this stuff. And then we did, you know, some tests. We did blood. We did an ultrasound, like found out I had like tons of follicles, like 25 plus on each side, like 25 on each side. Yeah, like lots, lots of follicles, like 20 to 25. And so like everything was looking good. Like we just did like some preliminary stuff and we're like, okay, let's move forward with an IUI. Like, Uh great. And the IUI was supposed to be in like a week because at this point it was like time for the next cycle. The other thing is with my job, it's very cyclical. And so this Mm. was going to be my last month to Mm. be able to try. Oh, shit until and this was november it's gonna be my last month to be able to try until next fall okay so i was like okay this really needs to work um and so i left just like on cloud nine like this is it i'm so about this like i love this i love her i love the clinic like it's all gonna work out and they were like the people at the lab who like did my blood were like we won't call you unless there's an issue and this this appointment was on friday they're like we won't call you unless there's something that we need to talk about And i'm like great and they're like just call us you know when you get a positive ovulation and we'll do the iui i'm like great so I'll go order two more vials of sperm. Like, is this the, which dude are you using? At this I was point? still using the first okay. donor at this time and have them sent there. And well, as you know, as soon as they leave, they can't go back. Right. And so they had left, you know, they the sent them over the mm. over to the lab at the clinic um, from the sperm bank. And so then first thing Monday morning, I'm in like a corporate something or other meeting and my phone's on the table and it starts stirring and I see that it's pacific northwest fertility and i was like fuck because they said they wouldn't call unless there was a problem yeah um and so i couldn't leave the meeting and i was just sitting there like dying inside and so i called them back and like the news was not bad they told me that i'm cmv negative and my donor cmv positive that's right yeah and like that in and of itself is like not really a big deal you Mm -hmm. know like you've talked about cmv before i'm sure you can talk about it more but I found out that I was CMV negative and I always knew that that was a possibility, but I just wasn't that concerned about it before. And for some reason, so this is when things started to change. So I got that news, not a big deal. They were like, you should come in and talk to, you know, your doctor about what you want, what you want to do. And at this point, it was like two days before my planned insemination. Uh And they're like, you'd have to sign a waiver that says you understand, Mm -hmm. like, if we use the sperm that your baby could have terrible you know defects if they get this or die and I'm like oh my god I just all of a sudden for the first time it wasn't doubt I just had this like wave of emotions come over me and I just was like this is not what I'm supposed to be doing yeah and and I had that was that thought had never crossed my mind wow like just out of nowhere and it was really hard because I couldn't place the feeling I'm like mm-hmm. what is this feeling what am I what am I supposed to be doing then and it wasn't like oh I don't want to have a baby I shouldn't be doing this it was just like this is not it right now so I went in and talked to um, my doctor and I just she walked in and I just burst into tears yeah. like before before she even said anything at all. And so like she really reassured me about CMV and all this stuff and it would be fine. And I just was like, something's off. Like there's something wrong. Like I can't make this decision. By the time I saw her, 
the uh, insemination would have been the next day. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't make that decision like that. Yeah. That's too much for me. And I was like, I think there's something else I need to be doing. And I feel like I just like stunned her. um, Yeah. Because it had really come to me like the night before this appointment with her, what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And it was some, it was a thought I had never had in my life. Never, Mm -hmm. never, never, never. And I just looked at her and I was like, I think I need to be an egg donor. Yeah. And she was like, okay. You know, like (laughs) trying to like, as I'm like crying, I'm like, I want to have my own baby, but this is not it. And like all this stuff. And I'm like, I want to be an egg donor. And she's like, okay, I think we need to like talk about this, you know? And so like it ended up, you know, I talked to the egg donor team um, there at Mm -hmm. PNWF and they were amazing and like gave me all the information. And they were like, we just want you to know though, like if you pursue this, like it's like 2% acceptance. Like it's really low. Like it's hard to get in. And it's a lot of factors that you can't control, like genetics and, you know, how many follicles you're producing, all of those things. So there's like a lot of, and family history, like they take all of that into consideration too. And so I was like, I I know, but I, I feel like I have to try. And so I entered into like this really dark time. Like it was probably one of the lowest points in my life not knowing if I had gotten into the egg program yet and having mm-hmm. to put my own, you know, fertility journey on hold. Mm-hmm. And it had just been a really tough year. Like I had had a lot of stuff in 2019, both personally and professionally. And this finally, I felt like I was like on the up and up with all this baby stuff. Yeah. And then it was like, well, of course, like, of course, it's not going to work out because that's just the way that this year has been. And I started, I started having panic attacks. No, I've never had, I've never had a panic attack it's, in my life. because of me. You caught them from me. <laughs> yeah. I'm it's because so I was sorry. binge listening to the podcast. But yeah, this is when I reached out to you because the podcast like really helped me. Oh, like I'm not joking when I say that, like I started listening to the podcast when I was going through all of this stuff and I was just like, felt so connected to you, but also mm. so like reassured mm. about what I was doing that it was the right that it was the right thing yeah and that it's not too late for me to have my own kids and this is what I should be doing yeah or at least trying like at least pursuing it um and so I also decided at that time that I should try and find like professional help like I have never seen a counselor in my life oh wow I've never seen a therapist and I was like I think I'm a person who just moves really fast I never slow down and so my way of dealing with things is just moving on from that wow. and so it had been a really tough year already and then this just I think my reaction to the CMB negative news was based on probably a year of like compounded emotions um, and that's why I and just had clear, such a severe reaction for, like there's nothing wrong with being CMV negative is not a negative. No, it's thing. not a negative it, thing. It, it, it's, it's just that, yeah. that stopped you in your tracks because of the donor. Yeah, and I couldn't send and if financially too, like I couldn't send that sperm back. So now I'm like, okay, well now I've got twelve hundred dollars worth of sperm sitting at PNWF that I don't know if I can use or not. Right. You know, and so it was that too. Like there was a lot of elements, and I'm like, yeah. I can't afford at this point to choose another donor, which I have. Do you still now. have it frozen somewhere. Yes, it's still there. It, listeners, you want to tell anybody the number of the. The name, the name of the guy, or anything yes, like that. Yes, his name is Carl. Carl, He's, it's a Carl. fake name. Everybody, it's a fake name. Yes, but if you're interested, I don't know maybe his donor she number would sell right it now. to you. Yeah, but I have it price got, or something. Yeah, I've got two vials of Carl. Two vials of Carl. He's at the Seattle perfect Storm donor. Bank. He was for me. He was totally CMB for me. Positive though. Yes, he's CMB positive. Maybe we can get you maybe some of your money back. Yeah, that would anyway. be awesome. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, what was I talking about? Oh shit! Sorry. No, I already forgot. <laughs> Oh, no, therapy, panic therapy, yes. panic attacks and therapy. So I was like, I think I need to get, I just need to talk to somebody. It's time yeah. to like make that move. 
here's where the sad part comes in. I reached out like I was like trying to actively take control of my life. Like I'm going to go talk to somebody. I'm making this decision. It's a hard decision to make like when you've never done it. Yeah. Um, To be like, I need this. Like I should be doing this. And I couldn't get in with anybody. Same I called with me. I called and called and called and called. And I mean, I was calling places in Seattle. There's nobody where I live. Right. I was willing to like drive an hour and a half to go do this like I was doing for the fertility stuff. And I couldn't get in with anybody. That's it was bullshit. three and a half weeks before mm-hmm. I even got just like a a response that was like, we might have room in a month. And you, you know, were in crisis mode. Yeah. And I just like, it really gave me a lot of perspective about people. Like, I just have so much respect for people who like, are in crisis I just can't imagine if you are genuinely in crisis like yeah I was having a really tough time but I was not suicidal I was not any mm-hmm. of the, I, I cannot imagine what it's like for people right now trying to get mental health care when they are in crisis because it was nearly impossible I probably called 30 people Jesus 30 places now I have a really great therapist who's awesome who I just started seeing love her so that's going really well Good. um but that was really hard um and it was like over the holidays and it's supposed to be like super happy and i just was not no. happy and i was just struggling but i did go through all of the donor um stuff yeah. and so i did you know the physical and my follicle count looked really good and we did you know the fsh levels and the blood and did you have to and, do a psych evaluation yes mm-hmm. so i had to do all the family history and then i had to fill yeah. out like a, do a bunch of essays yeah, do all the physical stuff and then have a psychological evaluation and do genetic testing. Yeah. Um, and it just all felt so right. Like yeah. every step I was just like, this is so right. And it totally showed itself when I'm not a carrier of anything. So Amazing. I got my genetic testing back and I don't carry anything, which is really good to know personally too, yeah. just for myself for choosing future donors and yes. you know all of that kind of stuff. So that was really good news. And so I just kept moving along in the process and ended with the psyche valve and then got the phone call that they were interested in Amazing. me. Yeah. And so that was just like such a relief. And so I like poured all my energy into that. I was like, I'm going to be the best damn egg donor there ever was. Yes, right. And I can just tell you, I, I was a little bit irked at how much more egg donors have to do than sperm donors yeah oh my god not just like the testing and stuff like i understand all of that but like the people who chose people or person who chose me as a donor they have photos of me they have baby photos toddler photos kid photos high school photos pictures of me now like if they wanted to find me they could find me and i'm like and at the same time i'm sitting over here looking at like a blurry baby photo trying to choose sperm being like um i think i think that one's good i don't know right like i had and that was really hard for me in choosing a sperm donor not that it's all about looks but i feel like egg donors have to do a lot more and physically it's a lot harder and so we planned to do my first cycle in february Uh and so we got started with all of that stuff and it was supposed to be a frozen cycle like they were going to put it they were going to freeze the eggs in their frozen egg bank and people could get them later like basically my profile was active i I hear you yeah my profile was active so someone could choose me but at the time because i had just been put like my profile had just been activated they were like let's do a frozen cycle first like and we'll just freeze your eggs because you'll have a lot and all that stuff but then two days before i was supposed to start the process, I they called me and they were like, you matched with someone. Amazing. Like, it's going to be a live cycle. Not that doing it frozen is bad, but I didn't know for sure that there was somebody on the other end of it. Yeah, that there was somebody that right. was going to need yeah. you. Yeah, and now, like, doing a live cycle, 
I was like, oh my gosh, there's a real, there's a real person. And so I instantly just wasn't nervous anymore. I was yeah. like, I'm going to do everything I can to be like the absolute best for them. Like yeah. that I can do this. Yeah. So I was a little nervous about like doing the shots and stuff. Like, am I going to do it right? Mm-hmm. All this stuff, which ended up being like nothing. Like yeah. once you start doing it, you're like, this it's is hard at first. It's a psychological right. thing. And the first day I did it, I was like, no hesitation. Like just do it. Yeah. And once I did that, then each night it just was, it was yeah. a lot easier. So I had a really good experience like a great experience with donating like and sure like you're uncomfortable like you get more and more uncomfortable as you get closer to the retrieval yeah but overall I was fine other than not being able to work out because I love to work out like that was hard like the sitting around a lot was hard yeah but I was like this is all for such a good reason like this is fine and all the way like and I just am obsessed with the clinic I know I keep saying this but (laughs) all the way up into you know, to the retrieval, like the retrieval was super nice. I'm like in the OR, like they're prepping me, the nurses are prepping me. And like the doctor came in and it was a doctor who I hadn't met yet Uh to do the retrieval. And she came in and she just like, I was like, wow, you're like wound up tight in this little cocoon of like blankets. Yeah. Um, And she like tucked her hand like down into the blankets and like grabbed my hand. And she, I don't remember what she said because I was high as a kite on whatever it is that they give you before they put you out. But she said something to me and I just remember her like squeezing my hand as I like fell asleep. I was like, they like put me out. So like, it was just a really good experience. I did struggle a little bit the day of the retrieval later. Mm -hmm. Um, They told me that I would probably feel good the day of because, you know, they've taken a lot of the fluid and stuff out too that's making you uncomfortable, but that it would fill back up you know, and probably the next day, next two to three days is when you'd be the most uncomfortable. Oh. But I actually had the opposite. Um, I was really uncomfortable the the day of mm. um, that night. I was just in like excruciating pain and I didn't want to have to take the hard drugs. I didn't right. want to take, you know, the Vicodin and those kinds of things. And so I wasn't taking it. And that was the, that was probably the problem. But my best friend who's a saint, Allie, I love you if you're listening to this, um, <laughs> ended up driving like probably like 16 hours oh to come gosh. and be with me and take care of me for the retrieval. Because again, I didn't like tell a lot of people yeah. that this was happening. And um, so she was taking care of me. So I felt really bad because that night I was just like in so much pain. And she was like, I want to call the doctor on call. Like, I don't feel like this is like yeah. normal. And I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm like sweating. And she's like, I think you have a fever. And like, I think we need to call the doctor on call and I was like I don't want to do that because I'm that person who's like it's fine I, I'm fine we don't need to do that yeah and so she finally did call the doctor on call who I felt really bad it was like seven o'clock at night um and they were fine but we're like this is just what it's like it's okay like no big deal and then I just struggled all night like I was really 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 in a lot of pain spiked a really high fever in the middle of the night really? yeah and I was not expecting it and like I have a I think I have a pretty high pain tolerance and so normally I'm like I mean I've had three other surgeries like major surgeries knee wrist all this stuff and I didn't take any hard drugs like through any of that so I'm like I don't think I would need it for this um, and I finally ended up did having to take you know take the pain meds because I was in so much pain but then the next day the the I talked to you know one of the donor people on the phone and they were like we need you to come back in like we could just because of the fever stuff and like we yeah. want to make sure that everything's and I had gained like five pounds like overnight so what? they were like afraid that, yeah so they were like afraid of that so anyways that that was hard but then everything was fine like I was just like really everything was just really big like my ovaries were really big everything's really big so that was okay um, and then after that, like, this was also just like a week ago, like a week and a oh half ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I just had my retrieval surgery like a week and a half ago. How many eggs did they get? I don't know. What? So this is the thing. So, again, I'm so obsessed with this clinic. I'm so obsessed with my doctor who I haven't even seen since November. But 
<laughs> the one thing I will say about being an egg donor versus being a patient, because I think I do have a little bit of a unique perspective on that. I don't think that many people go in the order that I've gone, like starting off as a fertility patient and then deciding yes. to be an egg donor. Like, right. I'm sure there's someone else out there who exists who's done that. But I like as a fertility patient, like it was it is so personal, you know, like your doctor is all about you. There's a team of nurses that are there, t- your team, like everything is mm-hmm familiar like you know who's doing what and when and how and they're communicating a lot and as an egg donor it's not the same and and the reason is because it's not about you Mm. you know like it's it's not about you like it's about who's getting the eggs and I am all for that like I totally agree with that a hundred percent but it's a different kind of care like you're in there like I drove an hour and a half each way to every appointment every other day for you know like two weeks and you see someone different every time you're in there, which is not a big deal because they're doing like blood and an ultrasound. It's right. not like a lot of stuff that they're doing and it doesn't require, you know, a doctor to do any of that. But every time I came in, like I didn't know who I was going to be seeing. Like I saw someone different every time. And then I remember laying in the OR and they like have my IV in and I'm like, who's doing this surgery? Yeah. Like I didn't even know who the doctor who was doing the surgery was ahead of time. Like I found that out in the OR. Wow. And again, doesn't matter like any of them are qualified to take the eggs out but I just was like I it's so different like I can't imagine being a fertility patient and not knowing that your doctor was going to be the one doing the retrieval or something like that and again it's just it's just a completely different experience and I also you know I signed all of my rights away but I didn't realize that meant that I couldn't know anything you know like I don't know you don't know how many eggs no and I think I could uh, follicles were showing up um in the ultrasound it looked like there was going to be and because I had to do birth control ahead of time you know to kind of quiet things down Mm -hmm. that kind of curbs apparently that quiets them down like in terms of the number of follicles too Mm -hmm. so I was afraid I was going to have like 25 on each side and just be absolutely miserable and I didn't I think in the ultrasound it looked like there was somewhere around 15 on one side and around like nine or something on the other side but I don't know how many they ended up getting hi Lauren this is your host Molly Hockey I have a question for you is there any way you can go back and say hey you know this is my medical history I might need this in the future. Is there any way you could give me this information? I just feel like you should know that information. The number of eggs they they were able to retrieve. Okay, bye. Um, And then it was a live cycle. So again, they went straight to being fertilized. And I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. That one couple didn't buy all of them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they did or not. I think when when people get donor eggs, I think they only get six. I'm speaking like I'm an authority on this subject. But no, I only know that when Josh and Selena bought their eggs... That they only got six. Okay, bye. Yeah, so you still have some frozen probably for other couples. Yeah, I don't know. And then, I, I, well, I, and part of why I wanted to do this too, like I have to say that like my intention was completely altruistic because I I'm not getting anything out of doing this. You're not getting paid. Well, you get paid. Well, <laughs> it's it's funny that you bring that up um, because. I'm not actually going to make any money off of this. Oh, my gosh. Um, which that's not what it was about for me. Like, I, I didn't go into it to make money. But it, I, legislation should change about this. So, obviously, it's taxed. It's income. So, okay. it's $7,000. And then it's taxed. I'm trying to remember the all of the percentages. So, I talked to my accountant ahead of time. I was like, if I do this, like, what does this mean? What do I need to do? Um, and so, I had to make an estimate payment of, like, $1,500, like, right off the bat. But doing this bumps me up a tax bracket. Um, oh my god and so (laughs) i'm i'm likely gonna owe money 
for 2020. So yeah, so it bumped, me, it bumped me up the tax bracket. And then my accountant also warned me that um, I might have to pay self-employment tax, oh my God. which is like $4,000. So I, you know, I don't really know what's going to happen yeah. with that. Can you tell them not to pay you? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I should ask that. Maybe um, if they yeah. haven't already. Fine. And didn't you at one point in your one of your emails say that they set aside a certain percentage of oh, your yeah. eggs for you? So if you donate three times um, oh, with God. Pacific Northwest Fertility, then they then you get, I think it's six, six eggs frozen for yourself for later. So I would like to do it again. Like I'm not committed to three times, but I would like to do it again. And because I've done so well, like in my recovery, like I feel great. Yeah. And also they like everybody, everybody when I was doing IVF was like, your period, when you get your period after this, it's going to be the worst period you've ever had in your entire life. And like was freaking me out about it. And I already have like pretty bad periods. Oh, <laughs> I geez. got it and it was like way better than any period oh, I've ever good. had. So yeah. that was good. Oh, well, that was the other thing I saw my. So in the months leading up to donating, I had been accepted in December um, and I wasn't going to start oh, until yeah. February. OK. And so I have always had bad periods in terms of like horrible horrible cramps like i'm that person who knows they're going to get their period a full like two days in advance because they start cramping so bad wow and i have to take like i take ibuprofen like as much as as healthy it's not healthy but as much as you can take as often as you can take it yeah throughout my entire period i've been that way since i started my period <sighs> for some reason though but again just being uneducated about our bodies i didn't think that that was considered quote a painful period so i bleed heavily mm -hmm. have these horrible horrible cramps where if, like i carry ibuprofen with me everywhere because i'm terrified if i got caught without it then it would be bad and basically the the months leading up it was just it it's been getting progressively worse like as the years go on uh -huh. and so leading up to this like i think it was in january or something i had like a period i thought i was gonna die and so i saw my OBGYN. like i i emailed the fertility center and was like this is going on what is, you know, should I look at this first before becoming a donor? Like, does this impact things or whatever? And they were like, go to your OBGYN. So I got in with my OBGYN right away. And she like, we start talking and she's like, Lauren, like that is a super painful period. When we ask you if you have painful periods, that's what we mean. And I was like, I'd, I just always considered painful periods to mean like vaginal pain. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I thought. And so she, we talked for a little bit and she was like, you have endo. I am a hundred percent convinced that you have endometriosis. It's like, a, I don't even have to. Oh my God. And I was like, what? You know, like, sorry, Dr. R, I haven't told you those either. <laughs> um, and I didn't want to screw up at this point, this doctor's appointment where she told me this was like two or three weeks before I was going to do my first, you know, oh, donor cycle. Yeah. And I was like, shit, like, I don't want to mess that up. Right. Um, and so she was like, I'm not a fan. Like, she was like, you can do what you want. You can do this. Mm -hmm. But I'm not a fan of you being a donor because, because of the, the stimulation, mm -hmm. you know, all of the shots and the stimulation is can make endo grow like crazy if that's what it is. Yeah. And so she was like, I don't I don't think you should do it. But like, I'll support you if you do. And I, I didn't tell the fertility center. Oh, my I just gosh. Did it. So she wants me to again, Dr. R, we have to talk about this. Um, <laughs> She wants me to do the surgery, like the abdominal surgery, like once I'm done donating to see yeah for sure yeah to see for sure that it is endo and to take out what is in there wow um yeah so i don't know for sure that i have any fertility issues i just wasn't i haven't gotten pregnant yet but it could be endo related and so i have to like do some more but so thinking you, about that you got a new donor 
Did you buy a new sperm? I did, yeah. And it's just waiting for you whenever you're ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, you haven't made embryos or anything like that? No, because I don't have my own eggs frozen. Yeah, I don't have my own eggs frozen. I donated, but I don't have my own eggs frozen right now. Um, And the plan is to start trying again in like September. For your own? For my own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So between now and then, I wanted to donate a couple more times just to have my own eggs frozen, just as like a fallback, you know, to have them. And I know that everyone says like it's not an insurance policy, but it's better than nothing. Are you doing another donor? I would like to. Before you want to do three before you. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So I'm already back on birth control. Like I already talked to. You're not worried about the endo? I am. You don't want to get that checked out first? I'm like a like let's get it done kind of person. Like let's. (sighs) Let's knock three out and then we'll take... Because if you're growing... If I'm like growing the endo while I'm doing donor cycles, I wouldn't want to do But then you're just going to end up with six... You're only going to end up with six eggs and that's barely any eggs. I know. But But you are young. Zero. You are young. So maybe that's fine. I don't know. I think it's fine. I don't know. I don't know. I I just want you to have more for later. I know. I do too. I had 16 and I wish that I had 30. I know. You know what I mean? Have you but, thought about it at all? This is, I'm going to be springing this on you 100% because I haven't heard you talk about it much. What? If getting a donor? No, no. Well, that, but Using also your like, <laughs> yes, I'll be your donor. I would, <laughs> I would be, by the way, if you wanted that. But um, have you thought about using your embryos that you still have, your eggs and your embryos that you still have and having a surrogate? Like, I know that you want to carry... Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I don't You need. don't want a surrogate. I don't because I truly want to be pregnant more yeah. than anything. And if I can't have that, I would rather adopt or yeah. or or that makes sense. Foster. But I, I totally understand people that and if I had a husband and yeah. he wanted to make a baby with me, I would absolutely get a surrogate or whatever. Yeah. I, whatever no, that he makes wanted. Sense. But for me it doesn't matter. It's it's really about the carrying and all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I was gonna. It's, thank you for asking me a question. But I want to ask you how <laughs> you're feeling. You're happy about this. You're still. Yeah. You're, you're glad that you're on this track and you feel like things are going well. I am. I feel like I struggle. Like I'm still struggling emotionally. I think. Like it's it's a roller coaster, right? Like and you I still feel got like, the hormones in your body, right. and well, also that pain and the swelling doesn't go down for a long time. Yeah, I still Are you my allowed stomach's to exercise all bruised. Yet? Not yet. So I'm still on my period. So they said after this, I could start exercising oh my again. Gosh. I can't wait. To, I feel like that's going to help me a lot. I've always been an athlete, like my whole life, and so I really need to get back to that. Like that's part of what's feeding. Yeah, the down I think is yeah. not being able to work out yeah. but for me like it was so fulfilling like I just have to say like being an egg donor like gave me so much purpose like I felt yeah like the best I've felt even though you feel shitty in terms of like I'm full I'm heavy I'm uncomfortable I, I felt the best emotionally that I felt in a, a really long time yeah and I have to say like a couple days after the retrieval like once I started to like feel better physically the emotional side really hit me and it wasn't because I didn't want to be a donor or I'm concerned about, you know, having kids out in the world that aren't mine. Like none of that. It was that it was over. Like there was so much lead up, like literally since last summer when I started trying to get pregnant until a week and a half ago when I did this retrieval, this has been like all I think about, all I focus on. Yeah. The center of everything. And now it's just over. Yeah. Like you go from being there like every other day at the clinic. Postpartum. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. I called my best friend just like sobbing and she's like, are you in pain? Like what is happening? Because it was just a few days after the retrieval. And I was yeah. like, no, it's just over. And she's like, I don't understand. You know, I understand. I, yeah. I feel like that after I do 
anything that I've put a lot of effort into yeah. for a long time. And I have found that I'm like a, comp- <laughs> this is going to make me sound terrible. I'm like a compulsive, like I'm an obsessor. Like I have one thing mm-hmm. at all times that mm-hmm. I'm like really focused on. Me and my yeah. therapist are talking about this. Uh-huh. I have very strong emotions, but I don't show them. Like I'm not an emotional person oh. in terms of like, I'm not expressively emotional. Mm-hmm. And for the past year I have been like, I've been really crying and stuff. And that upsets me more <laughs> because I'm having all these emotions that I can't control. Mm-hmm. And it was because I didn't have that one thing that I was like really focused on. Like I'm a marathon runner. So when I am running, that is my focus. Like the race is my focus. I put everything into that. And then I'm okay emotionally because I have a thing. Like I have something that I'm like really focused on. And the same was true for trying to have a baby. The same was true for being an egg donor. And so now I feel like the problem is that all of a sudden this is all I've been doing and all Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about and now it's over. And now you're just left with yourself. Yeah, (laughs) I'm left with myself and I'm like, oh God. And you can't exercise. Right, and I can't exercise. And my job is really stressful. And so like on top of that, it's a lot of pressure yeah so that's been tough but I'm like working through it and I think how I am coping with that is I emailed the donor the head of the donor program like three days after the retrieval and was like I want to do it again when can I start and she was like Lauren no (laughs) yeah okay quick I have a question for you yeah um one as a donor are you anonymous are you can they know who you are when they're yes 18? they can know who i am when i'm 18 when yeah. you're 18 <laughs> yes when they're when they're 18 when i turn 18 11 years cool. ago and how yeah. do you feel about that i feel good about it yeah i also feel like it's kind of oh it's hard because i think that we all signed all of this paperwork right that said that we wouldn't try to figure out who each other is yeah and i'm like i can't find out who these i have no, i know absolutely nothing about the people or person who received my egg so i can't find anything out yeah even if i wanted to they on the other hand could find me very easily yeah. i mean like we all have the internet and social media like put a picture of me on the internet and you could probably find it even though the po- the photos that i gave are not on facebook or anything like that so they're supposed to not be trackable right but let's be honest. And if this person yeah. or people live in Washington, like they could figure out who I am, which I'm not opposed to, honestly. Like, right. I think that's OK. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited about the prospect of one day knowing. Yeah. You know, and I feel like it's even more exciting to know, like, if and when I have my own child, which hopefully will be close in age, you know, to whoever, mm, you know, yeah. within a year and something, they would have, you know, a potential like at a time when you need people like when you're like 18 19 going out into the world they might have another like half sibling or something and that they could have connect all the to. half siblings from the donor man. right yeah they're gonna have a lot of Hun- hundreds from oh my Carl. god i never thought about that <laughs> two donor parents <laughs> they're probably gonna have like a hundred siblings <laughs> oh yeah wow but I never, I never uh, as for like as for egg donor stuff i know the answer to this but would you recommend and encourage younger women to do this as well you know i don't know that i would oh, oh. and it's not that I don't think it's awesome and it, it was right for me, mm. but I'm 29 years old. Yeah. I think that it's tough. I think a lot of women, like I, I'm sure about my decision. I think that when you're 18 and you're doing this because you need, you need a little bit of money and it sounds good, yeah. that you're not fully thinking about all that this is. Like it's very complex. Like yeah. you're not processing that you could have a biological child out in the world that is not yours. Mm-hmm. And I've fully processed that. I think it's really great and I'm all about it. But when you're young, I don't know that you're thinking about it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like, what? I can get $7,000? Cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and and not everybody because it is, it's physically really tough. Like you have to be in the right mindset to be able to do it, you know, yeah. to be able to complete the process. 
So I think that I'm not saying that if you're young that you shouldn't do it. I think it just requires you need to sit with it. Like I sat with it for several months before I decided for sure yeah. that I was going to do it. And I was 100% sure. I was sure from day one. Yeah. But I think that you have to take that time. Yeah. If that makes sense to I think, think about it. I think that's great. Yeah. I yeah. think that's smart. So I think you shouldn't do it and you shouldn't do it for financial reasons. Like I know that it sounds good and the money is good and all of that stuff is fine. Um, but it should be a perk of doing yeah. it. It's, it shouldn't be the reason. Yeah. And I like to, I feel like there's comfort in the fact that people that are going to get donor eggs and donor sperm, they're not, they're not just doing it for fun. They're not right. doing it on a whim. They right. are doing this with such intentionality. Right. They're going to do a good job exactly. raising that kid. Like and your I thought kid about isn't going to be abandoned. Right. I thought about that so much in terms of like egg donation, especially. I'm like, this is so expensive for them to get donor eggs. Like it's very expensive. Yeah you know that they've been through hell. Like yeah. for them to have to resort to donor eggs, you know that they've been through hell. Yeah. Like they've tried. Fuck, man. Right? Like they've probably tried they've so many They've been through everything right? I've been they, through. They're doing what you're doing mm. for years and years and years and it's yeah. not working for them. And they this is the last. And I think that's why I took it so seriously is like I wanted to be the absolute best that yeah. I could be. Like I was that person who was like drinking. Yeah, they make you drink all these protein shakes. That was <laughs> the worst part, by the way, for me of the whole experience. Protein four shakes protein make shakes any sense a day. To me. Who Pacific whatever yeah. said to do that? Three electrolyte drinks. You have to tell me about this after. Shakes. We have to hang up okay. because my headshot clients are going to be here any second. And yes, it makes me let's nervous. Do that. Not nervous. I'm not nervous. <laughs> I've been doing this for 15 years. <laughs> I just my house is a little messy. I think I think this is things are going well for you. I think so I too. Mean, emotionally, yeah. you're you're in a good headspace. And yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, TBD. And you have so much time. Yes. I like that. <laughs> yes, I do have time. And that's the other thing. Listening to the podcast has totally reassured me that this doesn't need to be mm-hmm. so rushed. That it's okay. Yeah. Doing, even if I donate for two more years, it's okay. Like yeah. Every, it's fine. Yeah. I'll be fine. Yeah. So. Thank you. Good luck, Molly. Thank you so much. We'll talk more when I yes, we will talk turn more. us off. Okay. Bye, everybody. Now, as you could hear there at the end, we were a little bit rushed. So after Lauren left, she sent me an email, and I just want to read a couple of the things that she wanted to say but forgot to say during the podcast. She said, I think that the mental aspects of all of this are truly downplayed. I didn't fully convey how badly I was struggling over the holidays. For the first time in my life, I was lonely. My job is the reason why I live here, but I started to feel really isolated without my tribe of friends nearby. I learned that the virtual shoulder to cry on just isn't the same. I also learned that I do have an emotional side and need to be more expressive with said tribe. I can't speak for anyone else, but I assume that my experience rings true for many. I'm used to functioning at a very high level all the time. Not only am I super type A and motivated to be busy all the time, but there's also no room for downtime or off days in my job. It's a lot of pressure and takes a lot of focus in a healthy headspace. So I never knew how difficult it could be for me to just show up and try to fake my way through the day without anyone noticing that I cried in my office between every meeting. The anxiety that I had, I couldn't control or get a handle on it because I just couldn't catch a break to get my feet back underneath me. It was scary to feel like my body and my mind were betraying me. My constant attempts to suppress it only made the negative feelings amplify. And I'm still struggling. So much better, but not feeling 100% yet. Also, she got to write a note to the prospective parents receiving her eggs, and her note said, 
I read a quote recently that said being a parent is hard work, becoming one is too. I want you to know that I feel safe with you and that I've done everything that I'm capable of to give you what you greatly deserve. I know your journey to this place has been difficult and I feel so lucky to be able to help you in some small way. This child of yours will be so immensely loved, which makes my part in all of this feel so privileged. As I sit here trying to figure out what to say to you, all that I can think of is how special you are and how honored I am to be with you. Life is complicated and messy, but the choice I made was easy. I may not even know you, but I love you and always will love you for letting me be a part of this, for choosing me. Don't give up hope. The end result is so worth all that you've been through. Also, Lauren forgot to tell us that she was raised by gay parents. It's another big reason she wanted to become a donor. Watching so many friends of my parents growing up struggle to have the family of their dreams and now watching my own friends go through something similar. So thank you again, Lauren, for coming all the way down here from Washington just to talk to little old me and to my listeners. So wonderful of you and so wonderful of you to donate your eggs. I think it's a wonderful decision and I wish I could have done it when I was younger. I mean, I wish that I'd even considered it. I didn't because I felt like there was a stigma against it. I also drank way too much and would never have wanted to stop drinking and be healthy in order to do such a a kind, altruistic thing. Now next week, I'm going to be speaking with the recipient of donor eggs, and uh, she's pregnant, and we're going to hear her story and how it has been for her on the other side. And now I'm going to go to bed so that I can wake up and be fresh-faced in the morning so I can talk to a couple more doctors and edit another bonus episode for all of you about the, you know, pandemic. Ugh. I do want to thank all of my patrons, all of my subscribers. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber, go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast. If you want to hear my mom answer any of your questions, donate at the $5 level and we'll put out two episodes per month. Well, once we get to the $850 a month mark. If you want to support the podcast, but you don't want to do the Patreon, feel free to Venmo, molly-hockey. If you want to support the podcast in another way, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share the show with your friends. If you want to reach me, email me at spermcast at gmail.com. If you want to hire me as a fertility consultant, uh, if you just want to have a conversation and have my ear, email me at spermcast at gmail.com, and just in the subject line, write session. Follow me on social media at Spermcast. That's for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Text me or leave me a voicemail at 323-741-1818. I love you so much. Please take care of yourself. Stay safe. Don't touch people. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Stay away from old people. Just be a good human. Love you. Bye. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white. Tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. An Erios production. Powered by Acast. 